0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So we've been in chapter 12 of Mark for a little while now. And as we continue, it kind of begins in chapter 11. We find that uh, the movement against Jesus has shifted because they know that they've got to discredit him to the general public before they can actually do what they wanna do, and that's to kill him. And so they're, they're trying all these entrapments, all these ways to get Jesus to lose face with the, with the people. And so they come over and over and over again. And so the first one that we see was the question of authority after he came in on uh, The Palm Sunday, as he comes back in the next morning and he cleanses the temple, he judges the temple. We looked at that. (coughs) The chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders came to him with a question. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? They thought they had him. But Jesus turned it around and went to John the Baptist and said, John's baptism, was it of heaven or of man? <coughs> and they couldn't respond to that because of their fear of the people. And as a result of that, Jesus says, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing. It's, it's kind of implied If you don't have the ability to distinguish who's the authority behind John the Baptist's ministry, you probably won't have any understanding of the authority that's behind my ministry. If you miss John, you're gonna miss me too. So it's really an indictment on their ability to discern the move of God. The second time, So we had the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders. Now we got the Pharisees and the Herodians that come to him. And it's going to be a tax IRS question. After they butter him up, they want to know, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And once again, the wisdom of Jesus. He gets a coin. He says, whose image is this? It's Caesar's render to Caesar's what belongs to Caesar and unto God what belongs to God. They were hoping he would say don't file taxes. Or you got to file taxes. Either one. And they were just hoping to catch him so that he could start to lose a little bit of the popular opinion. The third one we come with the Sadducees and we looked at that last week on the resurrection. They come with the traditional trick, Sadducee regis- re- resurrection joke uh, to, that's designed to prove to everybody the, the ridiculousness of believing in the resurrection. And so they go to the Leverite marriage law, and that's if, if a man dies without having a child, a son, to, to take over the family name, that the next brother in line should marry the woman and bring up seed, release offspring that will carry the name and the property of the deceased brother. So they have seven brothers, they all die, and finally the woman dies, and they wanna know, in the resurrection, ha ha ha, tongue in cheek, Uh, whose wife is she? And Jesus speaks in a profound way that there's two things they don't understand. They don't know the scriptures, neither do they know the power of God. And so we looked at that last week. And the power of God, the power of resurrection, is that we can't even begin to comprehend the incredible transformation that's gonna take place when we go through death, and resurrection that it's it's not just a, a little change it's not that i'm going to be able to part my hair on the right side and comb it over with my new resurrected body it is going to be absolutely unreal relationships will be different we will have a glorified body and out of that glorified body we'll find a new way of relationship he says we'll be like the angels And like the angels, in that the angels live to be in the presence of God. They're number one. They want to be in the presence of God and do all the assignments that the Lord gives them. Hmm. I like that. And then he goes back and takes the authoritative word of God known by the Sadducees to only be the first five books of of the Bible, uh, of the Pentateuch, and he shows the resurrection is in those books. I would think they would be flabbergasted. They would either be like, wow, or they would be, let's kill him now. You know, there, there, there's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. And so, we don't have in Mark's account any, any information of, of how the Sadducees responded. So that leads to a teacher of the law <coughs> who's overhearing this debate between the Sadducees and Jesus. And he comes up with a question of his. Now this isn't a trapping question. This is the question of one of the religious leaders that are there, a teacher of the law, and as he hears Jesus, he's moved to ask, what's the most important command? What's the most important commandment? So we'll pick up at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd release your Holy Spirit here in this room. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind and heart to understand And receive what the Spirit is saying to the church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So he came following, hearing the debate between the Sadducees and Jesus, and he's quite impressed. We don't know how the Sadducees responded, but we know how this one did. He thought, now that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Which makes me think that this guy was probably more of a Pharisee. Because the Pharisees believed in resurrection, they believed in angels, they believed in demons, they believed in the supernatural. Sadducees did not. And so as he's agreeing that Jesus' response is wonderful, he thinks, you know, I've had this question in my, my heart my whole life. What's the most important commandment? Now you see that in in the Jewish faith they had commandments upon commandments upon commandments. It goes back to when they violated the word of the Lord and then the enemies came in and and took over. They said, well, we never want to do that again. And so they would take the word of the Lord and they would put what we would call a hedge around it. And so If there's a commandment that we wanna make sure we don't break again so we don't enter into judgment, then we're gonna get three little more commandments to go outside of that to stop us before we get to break this one. Are you following? Kind of the concentric circle type of thing. So that we don't violate the truly important commandment that's gonna bring judgment to us, we're gonna get all these other little things to keep us safe. Hmm. Have you ever done that? Have you ever put some little extra boundaries to make sure that you're safe? (coughs) Nobody. (laughs) Nobody's ever done that. In the ministry, Billy Graham does that. Billy Graham never sits next to a woman. If you see him in public, on the platform, Billy Graham never sat next to a woman. What's the commandment that he wants to, wants to make sure he doesn't break? Yeah, don't covet your neighbor's wife. You know, He's wanting to stay sexually pure. He has a boundary. He has a boundary that he won't sit next to a woman on stage. Doesn't matter if he, uh, the soloist that day's is uh, female. You'll see one of his ministry men on either side. Wow. Uh, Southside Vineyard, Jim Bricker. Jim's got a policy that anybody on staff, any of his ministers, is not allowed to be in a car with a woman other than their wife for any reason whatsoever. So if you need to give a ride to, to a woman, you've got to have another person in the car. Hmm what's he, what are they trying to protect they want to make sure that they don't break this commandment by putting another rule out here and sometimes we do that in, in a lot of different ways and it's just kind of man's common sense to try to make sure we don't really blow it we don't do something stupid and so you get those kind of things and that's they had over 600 commandments Most of them negative, prohibitory things that you're not supposed to do. And then a couple hundred that are things that you are supposed to do. And so it was all designed there. So this guy has his moment. He's got Jesus right there. He's really not trying to trap him. He's just going for probably a question that's been in his heart. This seems to be a sincere approach. And he says, what's... The most important commandment. So Jesus answered, the most important one comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The word, first word of, of this verse is Shema. And so this is known in, in the Jewish, uh, among the Jewish people. This is the Shema. They say it in the morning. They say it in the evening. They say it habitually to remind themselves of the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and don't lose the conjunction. You want to know what the most important commandment is? Love the Lord with all your heart? Not. That's part of it. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. And with all your strength. Wow. This is the Shema. To love the Lord with all your heart. Cardia is, is the Greek word there. It means with the very core of who you are, the very center, the the very thing that defines you, your affections, where they lie. Love the Lord with every affection that you have. Love the Lord with all your soul. It's suke. It's the life. It's the life that comes out of the soul. It's what makes you feel fully alive when you just won something and you're jumping and twirling and celebrating. Love the Lord with all your soul. Now, a lot of times we get the suke and the sarks, and we we, we get the the soul and the flesh, and and we get a little afraid of the soul because the soul might get me into the flesh and I might do something that I shouldn't do. Now, when it comes to the Lord, go all in. Love Him with all your heart, love Him with all your soul. Everything that brings you alive, that, that brings life here on planet Earth, let it rip. Love him with everything of your soul. What might that look like? You may not have tried this. I'm just going to use this to have a little tangent to go off to encourage you. We usually think of those moments when we're really expressing our heart, our our love and adoration to the Lord. Usually it's in a kind of a worship moment. And as you come to worship, I just wanna encourage you, your soul may have an expression that your mind will censor. Will say, no, that's not a good idea. If you're going to love the Lord the way the Lord says we should love the Lord, then it's all of us. It's everything we got. It's all our heart. And when our heart has received his love, we love him because he first loved us. As his love is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we can't help but then find a way to give expression. Now, when your soul is getting you to take a risk, to kind of go out a little further than you should, give it a shot. Take a chance. Risk it. I remember as an evangelical coming into more and more of a heart-love relationship with the Lord, there was something in me that when we would worship, I would want to lift my hands. And yet, within the tradition that I was in, that was considered Pentecostal. That's what they do on the other side of the railroad tracks. And here in our educated, well-oiled system, it was like, So I'd be up there, and the presence of the Lord would be just so wonderful that I would just go. (laughs) You know, and it looked like I was probably having a very difficult moment because of the consternation. But as you experience a little freedom there, it gets a little further, gets a little further. And Tim Hawkins does so many jokes about people raising their hands, whether it's this, 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 you know, and try it, just try it. Try it in your shower, in your closet, wherever, just try it and see see if there's any more connection of your entire being of worshiping and expressing love to the Father. Julia Dinger gave you all an exhortation not too long ago about her waving a flag. You remember that? It's like, okay, I'll, I'll lift my hands, but don't expect me to wave a flag. That's, that's just really, that, I'm, I'm an introvert. You know, I, I can't wave flags. You know, try it sometime. Come to the, to the worship lab night that we're having in October. Bring a flag. Find a flag. We got flags everywhere around here. Find, experiment. See what happens. See if it helps you to worship and express your love to the Lord in a way that really connects you with Him. Because the first part of the Shema is that the Lord your God is one, there's only one God. And there's something about that statement that he is one that Jesus picks up in John 17. And he's talking about the oneness that Jesus wants us to be with him and with the Father and to to realize that there's something in the oneness that we get to be included in. So why would we care what others think? if you realize that you've been included in the oneness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and others who have come into oneness with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, guess what, when you come into the presence of those who are one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no fear of judgment. There's no fear of being embarrassed. You could could do something absolutely ridiculously embarrassing, and no one would even, say a thing because of the oneness there's one god so your soul give it expression now i would like to avoid dancing because i'm not really too adept at dancing but i remember jack hayford you remember jack hayford he wrote, wrote Worship His Majesty, and when I was reading the book about, of, of the same title, Jack was talking about a time that he was in the sanctuary and all his office staff were, were busy working, but he was spending time with the Lord in, in, in the sanctuary. And as he was in the sanctuary, he was before the Lord, and the Lord said, Jack, I want you to dance before me. And I could so identify with Jack, uh, but Lord, I don't dance. <laughs> Lord, I don't. What if somebody came by and looked in and saw? What would you know? And he went through you know all the excuses that he was trying to find to get out of what the Lord had directly spoken to him. Now, some of you saying, "Well, when the Lord directly speaks to me, then I'll dance." Well. He might be speaking directly through you to you through this testimony. And as Jack got there, he said, I realized that if I didn't I would lose something in my relationship with the Lord. So I danced. Spoke to my heart. I just thought, "Oh, Lord, I'm still afraid, but I don't want to lose anything of intimacy with you. If some of these things cause me to connect more fully to you and to receive Father's love more easily in my life, then I want to do whatever it is that will release the fullness of oneness with you. And with all your mind... That's where understanding comes. Mm. Lord, I want to worship you. I want to to love you with all my understanding. Some folks, you know, a lot of times they have the gift of faith and they just think everybody should be able to just fly by faith. And, And they don't realize that what they think is something that they've developed and earned was actually a gift that was imparted by the Holy Spirit. And so they can't understand why you're struggling with faith. It's like, just believe, what's, the, what's your problem? And they don't realize that they've, they've got a gift functioning in them. And as that gift continues to be exercised and strengthened, it's the mountain moving kind. And, but for everybody else, love him with your understanding as you love him with where you are at the moment in your understanding, guess what? It's going to develop and build more understanding. The more you know him, the more you'll be transformed, the more your capacity will increase to even understanding more. Now my brother, Mike Mulvaney, he is in the study of Isaiah, with one of my professors from Asbury, who's no longer at Asbury, but Dr. John Oswald. And when he comes in, he tells me what, what the Lord's teaching him through Isaiah, and, and Dr. Oswald, which I had for Isaiah, he's amazing. <clears throat> it just thrills my heart, because Mike's developing his understanding of God. He's doing it through the Word of God, but it's also through what the Holy Spirit is revealing to him while he's studying the Word of God. Amazing. Now you can study without the Spirit and you can develop a brain-rich, head-heavy intellect and talk informative on all sorts of books of the Bible. But that's different than having understanding that the Holy Spirit is breathing while you expose yourself to the Word of God and it's being absorbed and consumed within you. The result, oneness. We move more into oneness. All of these are designed to bring us into the oneness with the Lord. And all your strength. The word here is for your abilities. It's the force. It's your power. It's your might. We, we love the Lord with all our strength. Hmm. Bench presses for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Develop that. And then he goes on to say, the second most important commandment is this: love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. With those two commandments, he covers pretty much all the commands that the Jewish people had over 600 commands for. And he said, you do these two, you've got it. Do this, because there's, there's no other commandments that are greater than these. When you look at love your neighbor as yourself, you know there's a whole lot there, especially for us in, in current culture. It's like it's important that I understand who I am so that I can love myself in a way that will free me to love my neighbor. Well, you first have to receive the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as you receive the love of God in your heart, now you're in a position to see for the first time that you've been forgiven, that you've been cleansed, that the things that have kept you in bondage and that have restricted the the quality of life you're able to live on planet Earth, when you realize that Jesus has has done all the things that he's done, we receive his love and we reciprocate our love back to him. And as the love is being extended to him, now we see that it flows back through us And it gets to go out. One of the things that... I'd love to kind of corporately apologize for all ministers who have not loved themselves. And because they haven't loved themselves, they don't do very well loving others. If we're not loving our sheep... It's because we don't know how much we are loved. And if we're trying to earn God's favor and earn God's approval and earn his love, that's a tough environment to be in to try to grow and to try to understand these truths that Jesus is sharing with us today. Love ourselves. It's not the kind of self-infatuation that we only are concerned about ourselves and we don't see anybody else, but we have to know who we are and thank God for who we are. We have to love others, not from a sense of low self-esteem because we think that we're a worm and we're so low and everybody else is more important to me than me, therefore I gotta serve everybody else, I gotta love everybody else because I'm not worth loving That's not what's being said here. What's being said here is the person who knows that they are a son and daughter of the Most High God, and who will be eternally loved, not just today, but forever and ever. And it's out of that understanding that we then release the love of God to others. Well, the man replied, well said, teacher. Don't you love it? Jesus is so insecure, he needs somebody to tell him he's doing a good job, he's got it right. Well said, you're right Hmm. in saying that God is one. That's good. You're right that there is no other but him, and you're right to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. He adds, he adds to what Jesus says. Shows that it's more important than the burnt offerings and sacrifices, yeah. When Jesus saw, isn't that interesting? I had to highlight that. The guy's speaking, but when Jesus saw the guy and his speaking, and that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. What in the world does that mean? You're not far from the kingdom of God. Let me break this down real quickly. I know I'm going long. The guy hears what Jesus has to say, and he tells him, you got it right. Where is the man... Positioned, who now evaluates Jesus and says, You've got it right. Do you realize that when we judge somebody, we're always we're always putting ourselves above them? We judge from a place of superiority. And here, this teacher of the law is coming to the conclusion that what Jesus said was good and it was right. As if Jesus needed his approval his stamp, his endorsement. And Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom. You're not in the kingdom, but you're not far from it. You're getting close. It's kind of like, am I getting warmer? He's getting warmer, but he's not in the kingdom. And that response, once again, here's, here's this man, his perspective is that Jesus is here, he's up here letting Jesus know that he gave the right answer, and Jesus is letting him know you're not far from the kingdom. Once again, to the place of supremacy. Wow. Application for us today the two most important commandments love the lord your god love your neighbor as yourself has to do so much with our heart our soul our mind and our strength wherever we have been harmed in any of those areas will have a direct effect on how well we'll be able to love the lord There are things that keep us and prevent us from loving the Lord the way I think our hearts truly want to love the Lord. And it usually has something to do with our mind. It has to do with our our soul. It has to do with our strength. This morning, as we get ready for communion, I want us to come to the place of just saying, I can't figure all this out. Lord, I wanna love you with all my understanding, but you're gonna have to breathe on my understanding for my understanding to work the way it should work. Lord, I I want to love you with all my heart, but there are wounds, there's traumas, there's places in my heart that I'm not even aware of what has happened and how it's confused me, and it has restricted me from being able to love you with all my heart. Because sometimes we're living, we're walking through this existence and we're walking with maybe 70% of our heart, 50% of our heart. We've got wounds, we've got unforgiveness, we've got pain, we've got trauma. All those take up space in our heart. And so we can only love the Lord with the portion of our heart that we have to love him. So I'm gonna do uh, a prayer for us today and I invite you to trust that I know what I'm doing. (laughs) But you can pray it for those that are a little on the hesitant side. You don't have to pray it right now, but you can listen to it. But then you can pray it later in your own way. So let's stand before the Lord. Take a receptive posture. For many of us, that's kind of putting our hands out open whatever works for you you don't have to, there's no hocus pocus to this and then i'm going to express something if it's the expression of your heart feel free to say amen lord today there are things that may be preventing me from being able to love you with all my heart soul mind and strength And as a result of that, it's making it difficult to love myself. And as a result of that, it's making it difficult to love my neighbor. So today I ask for the grace to be released to me so that I can receive your love in its fullness. I ask that anything that has historically in any way diluted your love, filtered your love, deflected your love, caused your love uh, to be twisted. I say, Lord, today would you give a grace to receive without any interference from my soul, from my mind, from my will, from my emotions, or twisted from the kingdom of darkness in any way that the enemy's been able to make good look bad and bad look good. Any twistedness, Lord, I invite you to pour out your love by your grace into my heart so that I can know you and love you without restriction. It's like I'm playing a grace card today. I felt like the Lord was saying, if we would step out and allow his grace to be unhindered, we could receive and experience more of him than we even knew was imaginable. And sometimes it's important for the Lord to give understanding so that we know what has blocked his love in the past so that we can repent, we can forgive, we can do whatever we need to do. But bypassing that today for the moment of tasting his love by his grace that I think will then motivate us to deal with anything that needs to be dealt with so that we can continue to experience this incredible, most important commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's take our communion. In my office this morning, I told Deb, I says, I think this sermon's going to be really short today. Cheapers. And then I told her, you know, every time I think that, <laughs> it's not. Okay. So everybody's get their elements. Mm-hmm. Let this be a true full manifestation of the love of God. That He loves us so much that He did not spare His one and only begotten Son. But He gave Him for us. His heart is for oneness with us. The heart of a father being one with his kids. Mm. The heart of Jesus being one with his spouse. The heart of the Holy Spirit to have a temple that's unhindered, fully open to his living presence. And so we say thank you, Jesus, for your body given to us. Hmm more wonderful, more precious than we could have ever understood. And we thank you for your death, that you died, and on the third day you were raised from the dead. After showing yourself over a period of 40 days, Lord, you ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we acknowledge you in this expression of your body as the one who now reigns as the ascended one and we receive your body with thanksgiving, and we eat in remembrance of you. As the supreme sacrifice, we thank you for your blood today. We receive it with thanksgiving. We can't even begin to comprehend everything that your blood has done and is doing, and will continue to do for all eternity. But we can receive it with thanksgiving. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you apply the blood to the places of our life that you know needs more? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Take and eat, and drink in remembrance of him.